Welcome to the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous, Intentional Parenting, where two guys discuss and explore the challenges of parenting. They share their experiences, ideas, and perspectives as they search for ways to be better sons, husbands, and dads. Here are the hosts, Joseph Winkle and Taylor Greenhall. Well, Joe, it's good to be with you again. How are you doing? I am doing great, Taylor. Good to see awesome. you. How are you? I'm great. Good. Well, I'm excited we can get together again today. Yeah. I really enjoyed our last couple podcasts where we've had some interviews and yeah. really enjoyed our last interview. In fact, I've thought a lot about um, some of the things that were shared with us and especially uh, about the relationship that you are building with your kids and how how easy or difficult it is for your kids to express themselves to you, especially yeah. their problems. Because yeah. I'm sure as a parent, like most parents, that's the time you really want your kids coming to you is, is when they have a need. But it does seem like when they're little, they're running to you with every injury or you know mistreatment. And some switch flips, and then they're not talking to us. And we don't really know how to bring that back. Yeah. But I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that Grayson, when he spoke to us and, and had his parents even get on the, the line, mentioned that one of the th- reasons he didn't want to talk to them about some of his struggles was he was worried about hurting them, like disappointing them or hurting their feelings. And, and even one experience where he had shared a struggle, and then they went and talked to some people about it. So, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that and how we can keep those lines of communication open. I think more than keeping them open, we have to create that environment. And if we start young, then it stays open and it seems natural. If we, you know, let that slide and then, you know, later on, we recognize our kids are hurting and they're not talking to us. And we're trying to figure out how to reconnect. Yeah. So those have kind of been the thoughts on my mind. Yeah, I, de- I definitely feel motivated to uh, encourage that communication with my kids. I don't know that it's something I really struggle with, but I think it's just reinforced the importance of it. I have one son who's really independent. I know sometimes he doesn't like to talk about things that he's struggling with at six years old, which... I know it will change as he grows into a teenager, but we've talked about habits and developing these patterns that are healthy. And I think that's based on our conversation with Grayson and with our prevention counselor. I think that's one of the most important habits to get into is being able to communicate with your kids and let them know that they're safe to communicate with you. Well, I think you said right there, habit or pattern, you know, that would be the way to ensure that uh, that becomes the expectation that there's a time set aside for you to sit down with your children and one-on-one and let them talk and to listen. I, I Our oldest son just used to talk nonstop. Boy, he's always said something to say. And, and there were some times we were like, oh, you know, yeah. I need a break yeah. from all these questions. And, and boy, did we get it. He got pretty quiet in his older years, and we've, we've tried hard to uh, make him feel more comfortable opening up and yeah. we, we are constantly trying to engage him but as the habit has gone away then it's taking some time but we're getting there well i had a good friend who recently had an experience uh, just last week with their son their 14 year old son that kind of led me to think about how how we respond to our kids problems really sets 
the tone for whether they should or should not come to us. Mm -hmm. And so this friend of mine, his son, had his first experience with a girl. He had kissed a girl. It wasn't planned. And it wasn't even, he wasn't necessarily the instigator of it. And and the word got out. His uh, friends had seen what had happened. They told some friends, and before you know it, uh, his mom had found out. And so uh, this friend of mine, he said, yeah, we, my wife told me what had happened, and we were eagerly ex- expecting our son to come home so we could have a conversation. And he did not want to come home. He was afraid <laughs> of how upset we would be. And I, and I said, so what, what happened? And eventually, after being at work, his son came home. And uh, they said, well, come on in. Let's have a talk. And sounds like you had a good night the other night. And <laughs> kind of tried to make light of it and put him quickly at ease. I think that was the first thing they said is, look, you know, we never, his wife had said, we never want you to feel afraid to come talk to us. That we're going to get so upset or angry or have our feelings. We want to be the people you come to. That's our job as parents. And so she kind of laid that groundwork, which I thought was really impressive, the way that she put that. And it's really not just about what you're saying, but how you're saying it. Mm-hmm. And then the the father said, well, you know, tell us what happened. And the son was like, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> we were this thing, and I saw this girl, and the next thing I knew we were kissing, and, and now everyone's talking about it. And he was concerned, you know, concerned about what other people thought. It was... Uh, not what I assume he, he imagined would happen. So in their conversation, some of the things that stuck out to me was they let him express himself. They told him that he, he was safe in doing mm-hmm. so. They were there to help him. And then they listened, let him get it off his chest. When they realized what concerns he had, they addressed each concern with counsel and advice. And it was very kind. One of the main things was some of his friends were being kind of judgmental and saying, well, you're not a very good person, or I thought you're better than that. And that he took that to heart. He's a, actually, I know this kid, he's a good kid. And so they had a good chat about that, about how important it is what people think of us and what do we do when, when people think poorly of us and how do we manage those situations and even role-played with them when you go to school tomorrow and someone brings this up to you. What would you say in that situation? Well, I don't know. Well, maybe you would say this, or maybe you would say that. Yeah. And there, there is where they said the son felt found the value is he actually had some thoughts and help on the thing he was most worried about. And then the father uh, he shared his own experience of kissing a girl at fourteen years old, and how that was a mistake, and how um, he actually ran into that girl years later and after a couple awkward running into each other took the time to make that right to apologize and and then he taught his son about you know the role of a a man is to protect and to honor women and to treat them the way that they should be treated and in the end it sounded like a really great exchange and I thought, well, here's somebody who gets it, yeah. and someone I can certainly learn from. So it was, uh, yeah, it was funny. Right on the heels of our other conversation that's been on my mind, and then I hear this great experience where they were able to make that happen. Now, if 
they can continue to set aside a time each week to have those kind of conversations, I would imagine, as that boy turns 15, 16, 17 and deals with more serious issues, uh, they will probably be there to help him with them and talk about it. Maybe he'll even get to the point where they can say, you know, at this age, this is kind of was my struggle. And, and uh, you might want to be looking out for that. And then I would hope that their older years, they would, they would see each other as uh, good friends. The son would appreciate the parents and the parents would love the son. That's what we're all hoping for. Yeah, it's a good story. I think my takeaway from that is is just having you know your friend's son having someone that he could talk to and not feel any additional judgment or scorn or anything like that. Uh, you and I have talked about how we think about ourselves a lot in a situation like that where it's either easy to feel guilt or embarrassment or shame at the hands of your friends and your buddies at school. I think that's where the real danger comes from one of our very first podcasts we talked or i talked about an experience with my son william where i was feeling guilt about how i handled a situation and i believe that that was more damaging than the actual experience it's a tough lesson that i'm still trying to learn because we hold ourselves to standards that we don't hold other people to and it's unfair to us it's impossible for us to live up to those standards but when you create an environment for where your children know that you're not going to be one that's judging them or mocking them or making them feel more embarrassed or more silly or more guilty, then, then like you said, hopefully it creates a bond that lasts forever. Because as children, we're always going to have problems and we're always going to need something, someone to talk to. That relationship between a child and a parent is one of the best to have to be able to work through those problems. Yeah, you know, children are just so good at expressing themselves when they're young. I, I use this example a lot. Uh, we, we like to teach our kids to work. We, to love work and to be a part of it. And so easy when they're young because they're right there trying to help you. Mm-hmm. But it's so much easier to just say, well, you just sit over here while I get my work done. Yeah. We have to try to capitalize on those opportunities. And it's the same when they are expressing themselves, you know, that we take time to listen and not just to try to fix or teach. That's what I'm always guilty of. Yeah. You've got a problem, let's solve your problem. Yeah. And and oftentimes, as my wife is good to teach me, I'm not expressing something to you to have it solved. I'm expressing it because I need it. I need to get off my chest, so to speak. And it's the same with uh, our children. So I was thinking about this young man, and I was thinking about negative self-talk. And we have just been chatting about this ourselves and how below the... Uh, you know, this uncomfortable thing happening, and what do people think? There was, well, what does he think about himself? And that kind of came up as well. And the parents did a great job of kind of coaching him through that and saying, you know, this is, who are you? And it's not whether or not we have, we make a mistake or do something we don't feel good about. It's what happens after that really determines who we are. Because everyone makes mistakes, great and small. And it's really, how do you feel about it? And, and how do you move forward with it? This father, what he was teaching his son was, well, do you have feelings for this person? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think maybe that's why you don't feel really good about what happened? Because you know, kissing is a expression of emotion and feeling. And, you know, this is a, you know, 14 year old. I don't know how much he would think about that, but 
my parents pointed it out. And then, then the idea was uh, really reinforcing what a good person he was. Yeah. They were happy that he had come and talked to them. And they were happy that he was willing to listen and that he wanted to make things better. And then they just really focused uh, on the kind of person that he is. And, and I think is, you know, we live in a world where the, you don't have to have negative self-talk everywhere you look is a standard you can't reach. Like you yeah. talked about how we held ourselves to this high standard. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, there's a great guy out there. Uh, he has since passed away named Colin Karchner. And he was kind of like the anti-Instagram Instagrammer. And he went around to high schools all over Utah and then all over the United States and taught people the dangers of Instagram and these unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, studies have shown that Instagram is the most damaging app ever created for women. Wow. And yet it's the most popular. Yeah. And why? Because, again, uh, people are judging themselves based on others and, of course, setting these unreal expectations for themselves. And so with our kids dealing with this all the time, you're not good enough and this is the ideal and it seems it's right in front of them, though they probably don't know any person who actually meets that ideal. Mm -hmm. They are judging themselves all the time by these things, let alone bullying. You go to school and you used to have a bully and it's terrifying and then you'd come home and be safe. But now bullying bullying follows you, social media, uh, texting, uh, all kinds of things. And so... I think as parents, we really have to be wise and help our kids understand that the way they think of themselves is far more important than what others think if they want to find happiness. Yeah, and I think I think where that becomes, it can be so dangerous, at least in my own experiences. Number one, it's easily influenced, right? If you hear somebody say something about you that's negative, that's the thing that takes most of your attention. And then the other thing, too, is I've thought about this a lot. In fact, I took a class. I think you've taken the same class about giving on giving presentations, and I gave a presentation on this. In that class, the real danger is it's hard to determine where these thoughts come from because for me personally, I think, well, they're in my head. Who else would they be coming from except me? And I oftentimes will start to convince myself that I truly believe these things about myself. And the irony is, uh, I've seen my children, when they maybe make a mistake or don't do so well on a test at school or a homework assignment, start to use negative talk. And I immediately jump in and, and try to fix the situation by helping them understand that those negative things that they're saying about themselves aren't true. And yet, I don't do that to myself. And... Um, I think how unfair am I being to myself that I don't allow myself the same amount of grace that I'm tr- that I'm pouring onto my children to try to help them get out of that situation. But the real the reality is is you know you and I have talked about our spiritual potential as you know we both believe that we are children of a higher power. You know we talk about fatherhood, our role as fathers, as being a divine responsibility that we treat as such. And as such, it's one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that we're doing, our role as a father and a husband. And I believe truly that the adversary wants me to think I'm doing a terrible job. And so he disguises those negative thoughts as my own. 
And that's where it becomes really scary for me is because I think, well, I'm a trustworthy guy. And if these thoughts are coming from myself, from my own head, um, but we've talked about lies driving us to be fearful and we combat that with truth. You've said that many times. And the truth is, those aren't, mes- those aren't messages that are coming from me. <clears throat> those are messages that are trying to keep me from reaching my potential. And I look at my kids in the same way. So just to, to catch up on that point. So as, as we were talking earlier about this, there, our teacher, he kind of gave a, a way to combat that. And I know you've done yeah. this with your kids. Do you want to yeah, talk a little absolutely. bit about it's Pretty simple, but it's effective. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, the cool thing is in our society, we're learning more about this as we talk about anxiety and depression and those kind of things, which are often accompanied by these negative thoughts. You know, as a kid, I'd hear, I just don't think those thoughts, just don't think negative thoughts. It's super easy. And I used to walk away from that saying, I must be the worst at not thinking terrible thoughts because I can't do it. I can't just not think terrible thoughts or not even terrible thoughts, but just negative thoughts. I was often fearful on Sunday night before going back to school. I was often fearful about, oh, I'm sure there's a test I forgot to study for, an assignment I forgot to do. I'm going to get in big trouble when I get to get to work or get to school and realize I didn't do my homework. And I couldn't just make them go away. And I just thought, man, everyone's really great at this. I'm not. Something is wrong with me. But the reality is I learned this lesson as I, as I became older is eliminating those thoughts doesn't do anything because they just can come right back. What we really have to do is replace those with a positive. And this uh, mentor that you and I both share that talked about it shares the principle I think is extremely powerful. And I've even done this exercise before myself and I felt the the power and I even create some imagery in my mind. But what he tells us to do, and I would invite anyone who's feeling these same things to do this, to do this same exercise is you take a sheet of paper and draw a line down the middle on the left side. I take time to write down negative thoughts that I'm feeling. And it's a scary, that's a scary proposition in and of itself because for that moment that you're doing this exercise, I force myself to listen to those negative thoughts and I get them out on paper. And then for each negative thought that's that's written down on the right side, I write two positive thoughts that are the opposite of that negative thought. And, you know, honestly, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, that's kind of a silly, you know, Sunday school type exercise. There's no way that could really work, which was just another negative thought. But the first time I tried this exercise, it was so powerful to me because the imagery I created was myself on a playground as a kid getting bullied by these negative thoughts. Uh, These thoughts that were telling me things about how I wasn't good enough, how I wasn't good enough as a husband, how I wasn't good enough as a father. And I just felt like I was getting bullied by myself. And these positive thoughts were the cool kids from school coming to my defense. And I know it sounds like, maybe sounds like a silly image, but for me, that was the imagery that really worked for me. I, I think that's great imagery. We've actually shared that with me. I love that idea of being able to picture it in a real way so it becomes more real to you. And, and even thinking about that as those thoughts about yourself, those negative things, those unfair judgments as as bullies and, and then yeah. people coming to your rescue. I like that. Well, like I said, it is powerful because I, um, you know, the lesson I learned from that experience is that I'm... I'm not defined by my mistakes because if we were all defined by our mistakes, we'd all be in deep trouble because we all make them. And um, 
you had mentioned this earlier today, earlier in this podcast, that it's not it's not that moment that defines us. It's the person we become after those experiences. And to kind of go back just real quick to that story, that first story I shared at the beginning of our podcasts with about my son, when my wife came home, and I was sitting on the couch, uh, just wallowing in these negative thoughts. She she came home and said, "Well, what's wrong?" And I said, oh, "I'm a terrible father. I did this. My son doesn't, you know, he deserves a better dad than me." And my wife, the first question my wife asked me was, "Did you ask him to forgive you?" And I said, "Yes." And she said, "Did he forgive you?" And I said, "And I said, of course he did." And the powerful thing for me was that my wife wasn't looking at me as the father who maybe lost his patience a little bit more than he should have at that time. But she was looking at me as looking at me as the father who immediately tried to make things right. And that's how that's the lens that she was looking at me through. And it's a powerful lesson to me that I need to look at myself through that lens. Uh, I couldn't agree more if we all could be a little bit more that way. Uh, this exercise uh, we, we've talked about, it really does work. I've done it with my kids. And what was really interesting to me is, again, seven kids, uh, that, uh, that as you'd have, so they each have a little book and they're writing down a list of all the negative thoughts about themselves. So they're writing those down. And that was one of the first things that taught me something about each of my kids is that for some of the kids, the lists were long. Mm-hmm. And for some, they were short. So for some, this really was a struggle. And for others, it wasn't as much. But for the ones in particular that was a struggle, giving them a tool to combat it, which is, okay, now you go to the other side and write two positives to that negative and seeing the change it makes. And um, I have one son in particular who's struggled with his self-talk. And I remember one time he was just, it was before he was going to school and he was really upset and frustrated with himself and i just had him repeat this really great phrase about who he is and i had him do it three times and get louder every time he did it and it changed his state of being Mm -hmm. Uh, the words and the emotion came together and and within five minutes he went from really upset to quite good Mm -hmm. and so i i think it's great that we can share these things that are working. Uh, we love learning about being better husbands and fathers and parents. Uh, we certainly appreciate all of our listeners today and hope you found value in the things we've shared. And if you would try this exercise with your kids, especially as they're growing up, you can equip them with some tools to fight back against the negativity out there and the negative self-talk. And we strongly encourage you to, as Taylor had mentioned, give yourself some grace. Try it for yourself. See how you feel. Write down the things that you know are good about yourself. See how long that takes you. That would be a good indicator of where you're at. How long does it take you to come up with a list of 20 positive things about yourself? And and you can kind of self-diagnose if, if that's something you need to work on. But we encourage you to share this podcast with others and to like and share it and hope you have a fantastic day. We are so glad you could join in on the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous Intentional Parenting. You can find us on all the best podcast sites. Please subscribe and share and be a part of the conversation by sharing your ideas, posing questions and making suggestions. Drop us a line at 
fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. That's one word, fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. This segment was recorded and engineered by Jim Fugate. The music for this podcast was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alitu, the podcast maker. Find your own free music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music.